I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W, using X's and O's along with key stats. We bring honest and critical analysis. The date is July 16th. We are halfway through the season, but before we get into that, we're going to talk about the games that we saw yesterday on Sunday the 15th. Rachel, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here as always. Lovely to have you as always. <laughs> looking looking back at the games, Rachel. Um, you know, off off microphone, off camera, if you will. We've talked a lot about the frustrations of the sky, the Chicago sky, and the New York Liberty. A final of 107-84. The Liberty won. They had five players in double digits, and uh, an interesting game. Rachel, real quick, what are your thoughts on Chicago? They've, they've, I don't even want to say. I, I always want to be positive. I always want to um, spin things in a, in a tremendous light because that's what I do. But, you know, I've watched Chicago probably as close as anyone this season. Um, and and it's, it's amazing because they've got an incredible amount of talent. They've got a tremendous leader, Courtney Vandersloot. She's, she's currently leading the league in assists, and what she brings to the table is uh, so special just as a leader on the floor, off the floor. Um, you've got Allie Quigley, who, if she's not an all-star, I'll be completely shocked, but, you know, she kind of goes under the radar as one of those names that's um, not talked about as much in this league, but she's extremely consistent offensively, defensively in what she does. And You've got Diamond DeShields, who's one of the freakishly athletic players one of the most freakishly athletic players I've ever seen in my life I mean I was watching her last week up in Chicago when they took on the aces and I mean just the things she does it's 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 amazing what diamond to shields is you know is capable of doing and you know we've seen this team really thrive offensively we've seen this team really struggle offensively we've seen this team thrive defensively and struggle defensively and so just the the consistency amongst this team is something that has not yet been found. Um, I think they struggle sometimes with their identity. And I was talking to head coach Amber Stocks following that game. And just in that game particular, you know, coaches always talk about, Hey, you know, you, you got to let your offense kind of be, be generated by, by your defense. Um, and I think they're, the sky are a victim of that sometimes when their offense is not clicking and they're stagnant, which they are oftentimes, um, especially these last few games, you, you see some kind of miscommunications on the floor. You see people, maybe one or two players who might be in their own little world. You don't see five people who are kind of all on the same page, if you will. And when things aren't clicking offensively, I think that is leading to them really struggling defensively. Um, and, you know, as you see last night, you give up 107 points. I mean, you know, you, you can't rely on your offense every single night. Um, we all we all want to average you know 90 plus a night but that's just not realistic it's not going to happen so you have got to be able to hang your hat on the defensive end of the floor and and I think the sky are a victim of you know their offense frustrating them and that is frustrating them on the defensive end of the floor uh, being able to come up with consistent stops being able to uh, re- when it's really needed that's just kind of been the ongoing theme that I've seen with this team throughout the year Talk about consistency. I mean, third quarter, eight points. Other than that, you're talking about just a slugfest. You know, the the way that these teams were putting up points in each quarter, and then you have such a, a, a 
a slow showing in the third coming out of the half, it's really hard to bounce back from that and, and, and get something going. Something I want to ask you, you know, all-star, all-star names will be announced tomorrow as, as we record this, but most likely if you're listening tomorrow, they've come out. Um, Allie Quigley and Courtney Vandersloot are two players who, to me, I I almost I look at them almost as Siamese twins. I know it's ridiculous and and whatever, but for me, if you had to pick one of them this season, you know, right now, no thoughts. You can't look back at the stats just from covering the teams. Which one would you give the All Star nod to? My initial gut reaction to Allie Quigley, really, um, which. It is, and that's not a slide against Vandersloot because she's tremendous, and she deserves to be up in that ranks too. And maybe it has something to do with Allie. Uh, you know, Courtney came and kind of joined the team later on. Allie was kind of the one that had to play that leadership veteran-type role early on in the season. Um, I got a chance to really watch that firsthand, so maybe that has something to do with it. But I think Allie's numbers, the things she's doing out on the floor from a scoring standpoint, uh, she's been as consistent as she's ever been. She's always kind of been like that in her career, uh, but you know she she's she's been steady. Um, she's averaging 16 points a game right now in the league, and and really kind of that that one player that you know can get going at any time and and can get you a bucket when you need it. Because right now I don't know who else on that Sky team can do that. Um, now Vandersloot and her they go they go hand in hand. They work well together. Vandersloot's getting everybody these shots. Vandersloot should 100% be an All Star as well. Uh, but just Allie from a from a scoring consistency standpoint, uh, we don't talk about her enough. Um, so that's my gut reaction. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I like to call them PB and J. Um, you know, they, they just go to what go together so well, even though ironically, I don't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Um, <laughs> moving over to moving over to New York. I, I, people might give me some crap for this. So, so excuse this, but this is a team that, you know, when they put up 107 and they have five, five, six players, sorry, it was six players in double digits. I'm just still not impressed and I haven't seen anything. They're right. I mean, I, I feel like I've been repeating this over and over all season. So I'm just going to say it, then we're going to move on. They are who we thought they were. Remember, they have players who have gotten them. This roster got them to a top seed going or a top four seed going into the playoffs for multiple years in a row but they couldn't get over the hump. Other teams are getting better. And now they're kind of just, you know, chugging along. Let's move on to, uh, to me, one of the, if not the best, one of the best games yesterday, mystics at dream 77 80 is the final An exciting game went back and forth a lot. I, I lost track of how many lead changes they had, but Elena Deladon gets her 3000th point. The quickest player, Ever and Rachel, I know you had an interesting stat when it came to Deladon and uh and her scoring. What was that stat out of her like 144 starts or something? Yeah, so she's played in her career. She has played in 148 games throughout throughout her career. Um, out of those, she has scored in double figures in 139 of them. So there's really only been nine games in her professional career where she has not scored in double figures and that's just an incredible stat I was going back and I was looking at him last night because I was just kind of looking back at her career the different numbers she's put up uh, how it's trended all those sort of things and I just kind of was like man she's 
she's a steady, like at least double digits every single night. And when I was going back and really counting it up, I couldn't believe it. I had to, I had to redo it like five or six times. Uh, but that, that's an incredible stat. It's, it's, it, it really speaks volumes to what she's capable of. And I yeah. I, I mean, she's just a baller. We've talked about this. She's a player who is in, in my opinion, doesn't get looked at in the same way as Candace Parker. I know we've had this discussion many times on the show, so I, I don't want to beat it dead. But I do think that she's that type of player who you need to run your offense through her. The team played well, but the Dream have just been running recently, playing amazing. Uh, another double-double for Breland. Renee Montgomery struggles, but Brittany Sykes, uh, I mentioned this during the game. Brittany Sykes was a player early in the season who, in my mind, was up there for sixth player of the year award. She got that injury, which really kind of hampered her, and she struggled her way back. Uh, probably before she was at 100%, but she's back at midseason form, dropping 17. And I think all of them came in the second half, if I'm not mistaken, with six rebounds. And for me, guards that, and and, th- and this is a personal bias, a personal preference, if you will. And this is why I love Courtney Williams so much looking at the sun. Guards who are willing to get in the dirt, guards who are willing to throw bows and, and get high and and get rebounds. That's what I like to see. And Brittany Sykes does it all. She feeds the ball. You know, she she rebounds the ball. She scores the ball. She brings a ton of energy off the bench. This Atlanta team, Rachel, uh, before the season started, there was a lot of talk about them and, and their, their stacked roster and, and the possibilities of what they could be doing. I want to ask you, uh, kind of moving on to the next segment, but we'll, don't worry, we'll finish the rest of the games. Do you see this team? Obviously, I think they can make it to the playoffs, but do you see this team as someone who can make noise? Or are they still a few years away? I do. And I think the reason I believe that is because what, you, what you're seeing with the dream is you're seeing a roster from top to bottom who's buying into what head coach Nikki Collin is saying. Um, I think you know, even with Bentley kind of being added, she, as of right now, has appeared to fit in seamlessly and it's working out. But they're buying into what Nikki Collin is talking about on both ends of the floor, defensively, which is kind of like like we've talked about in previous podcasts, what they hang their hat on. Um, and may not always be the most flashy type of performance, but they're tough enough. I think they're mentally tough. Uh, they're willing to fight through the adversities throughout you know, the course of a game, and, and everything's going, you know, it's clicking really well right now. You know, on that, they're on that four-game winning streak. Um, in my opinion, Washington let one go yesterday, um, and, but but Atlanta is a very dangerous team, and it starts with their rebounding ability. If you if you are up, you know, at the top of the league in that category, you're always going to give yourself a chance. They out rebounded the Mystics last night or yesterday, and that was a huge part of it. They also do a tremendous job of getting to the free throw line, um, and, and and after looking at the stat sheet from this game, that was one of the glaring differences. Uh, they got there 28 times as opposed to the Mystics, and they got there 18 times. So, you know, that's 10 free extra just shots that they're getting, um, along with extra possessions. Uh, both teams were pretty even. Uh, Atlanta had 73 shot attempts. The Dream uh, Mystics had 70. So, really, the difference in that game, you know, it came down to the wire. They were tough enough, got the stops they needed down the stretch. Atlanta just, like I said, was tough enough, uh, especially after that, that, that slow start. Washington jumped out 26 to 15 after the first quarter. And then Washington really had that lull in that second, second quarter, which kind of shot him in the foot and gave Atlanta a little bit of life. But, you know, to go back to what you were, what you're asking, yes, Atlanta could make some noise because 
I think they're, they're, they're playing confident. I think they understand what their identity is, and you've got players from top to bottom who are accepting their role. Um, they're buying into it. They're seeing the success by buying into what Coach you know, Nikki Collin is saying, and, and they're rebounding, they're defending. And most importantly, offensively, is they're consistently, like there's always five or six, sometimes seven people in double figures. So it's not a one-headed or a two-headed monster. It's really any anyone, any given night, can put up big time numbers and that's difficult to guard for other teams. Oh, hundred percent agree with that. And and something that I would encourage listeners and fans to pay attention to is something when Nikki was on our show, shameless plug, listen to our podcast interviewing her, she drops hella knowledge. When she was on the show, she spoke about it, not only buying into the system, but trust when you're up against the wall. You know, in that game, when they had that small lead and they trusted their positions, it's easy to trust when things are going your way, but when the top, the clock is ticking down, do you trust what's going on? To me, that's really important, and they've shown in this little win streak, in this little spurt right now, that they really do trust it. Rachel, I'm going to kick the starting of this game over to you. Phoenix versus Indiana, 82-101, Phoenix with the big victory. Yeah, Phoenix jumped out early. Um, we're not a little bit, well, we're not very, what's the word? immune to uh, Indiana starting slow. That's kind of been their Achilles heel really the entire season, whether it's a slow start, whether it's a slow start after halftime, they can't put together an entire 40 minutes. They have a couple times where they've been able to come out with a couple wins, uh, but for the most part, that's been the story of Indiana Fever is putting together a 40-minute effort from top to bottom. Not everything has to be perfect, but just the slow starts, whether it's from the jump, coming out in the second half, not being able to finish the fourth quarter, there are massive lulls for the fever. And yesterday, Phoenix jumped out 26-17 to 17 after the first quarter. Indiana kind of fought back that second quarter, outscored the Mercury 31-20. to 20. But really, I mean, Phoenix made a concerted effort to get the ball to Griner inside. They saw the advantages of it. You know, they, they just hammered it inside to her for 40 minutes. Uh, Griner goes off for 36 points, 14 for 21 shooting. I mean, there's just no answer for that. That's a, that's a season high for her. Um, and really, you know, it was actually closer than what the score shows. Um, it was a little bit more exciting, especially down the stretch. But that fourth quarter, the, you know, the Mercury just ran off with it. Diana Tarazi, you know, she finishes with 22. I mean, talk to me about like how she's playing right now. I mean, she she is like almost playing like at the peak of her game. Uh, here's the thing. First of all, I just want to shout out to Pat, the WNBA insider stat of when Griner, Bonner, and Tarazi score more than 12 each. They are, I think, 12 and one, and the streak continues. So I believe they're now like 13 or 14 and one. Um, yeah, I mean, Diana Tarazi is needs to be in the MVP talk. And that's going to be another show we're going to do uh, shortly coming up. But Tarasi's playing MVP style numbers. And the fact that she's not up there, everyone's talking about her, you know, maybe I'm nitpicking. I got really upset that everyone was talking about Bonner having a great season, even though she's coming back from pregnancy and giving birth. And I was like, no, she's having a great season period. And the same thing with Tarasi. Everyone's talking about, Oh, she's so old. Oh, she's so old. She's putting up, you know, prime stats, prime of her career stats right now, and is playing a complete game, you know? So uh, she had seven assists, eight rebounds, and 22 points, and she's still logging over 30 minutes. I mean, what else could you ask for her? This team is a team that 
I think a lot of people, you know, didn't. I, all right, I'm I'm one who deserves to, the criticism that I did not consider them a contender last year, and I don't think they were. And coming into this season, you know, uh, often distance makes the heart grow fonder. Distance made me forget of the importance and amazingness of Duana Bonner. So yes, Tarasi's playing amazing, but I don't want to overshadow that and not give the proper respect to Bonner because to me, she's the one who makes the wheels turn. She's the X factor. Um, Rachel, we've talked about this a lot. She's somebody who just makes this team that next level where they could legitimately be winning championships versus last year, where it was like none of us really thought they could win the championship, but we know like they're going to make some noise in the playoffs. And she is. It's funny because she's almost like this like silent assassin um, and, and everybody respects her. Everyone knows what she's capable of, but it, there's not a ton of talk about Dewana Bonner. And I've said it a bunch of times. I really feel like she is the X factor for this Mercury team, Mercury team, uh, just the differences from watching them as closely as I was able to last year living there. And then now this year, it's, it's fascinating to me to see what she really brings to the table. She's playing at such a high level and she really has her entire career. Um, and that just, you know, sometimes gets overshadowed by the dominance of Brittany Griner and, and the legacy of Diana Tarazi. But Dewana Bonner is that X factor. Uh, she brings so much to that table. Um, it's just, it's incredible. Um, and I think it's because of her, you know, they're, they're a great team without her, but it's because of her that they are arguably in the running for, as, as one of the top teams to win it all this year. I'm with you on that one. Moving on, L.A. Sparks in Vegas get a nice victory of 99-78. A lot of people were calling this a statement win. Um, I get it in the sense of, you know, th- it was neck and neck going through three quarters. In the fourth quarter, L.A. just hit that gear that said, we're vets, we've done championships, we're not going to get embarrassed. There's no way that we're losing a series to the Aces this year. Um, and Candace Parker just you know, pulled the Kirby pocket and said, get on my back, and I will carry you to victory. And 34 points, teases the triple-double, 9 assists, 11 rebounds. Can you talk to me about Candace Parker's domination? she just completely took over in the fourth quarter, <laughs> you know, and, and she really, it's the second half. I mean, she played great. She played like an MVP, um, threw, threw the team on her back and was, was like laughing tongue out, like running down the floor, just being like ridiculous, but she had every right to be, you know, she was in the zone. She was feeling herself. And, um, that's what Candace Parker is capable of doing. Um, and, and honestly, you know, the spark should have won that game. You know, aces, the aces are playing extremely well right now obviously a young team. They've got Asia Wilson, who at the end of the day is still a rookie. Um, you know, she goes six for 20, finishes with 15 points. And, and it's crazy to say, but like right now, that is just an average, below average game for her because she's playing at such a high level. That's a different conversation for a different time in terms of having Asia Wilson up in that MVP category. But back to Candace Parker, I mean, but that's what she needs to do. That's what this, this Sparks team needs her to do. Not to say, hey, you know, is it is it feasible to do that every quarter for 40 minutes for the rest of the season? No, but um, I don't know. I, am I am I a little bit out of sorts by saying, hey, you know, like sometimes Candace Parker, like when she doesn't do that, the Sparks struggle. Um, and that's a lot to put on somebody. But if we want to talk about her being the MVP candidate, like in my opinion, she's got to continue to show that down this stretch uh, she can't go MIA or missing or things like that. She's got to continue to play at that high level 
uh, from here on out if they're going to have a chance. So something that I want to touch on that that is very pertinent to, to what you just said, I think back to when Lisa Leslie was at uh, one of the Sparks games earlier this season, and our own Brady, uh, you know, Brady, who who's our beat reporter for the LA Sparks, was, was interviewing her, and before the game, she, Lisa said something that stuck with me, and what it was is, early on in her career, Candace was that player who, you can't tell me this, you can't tell me that, because I'm only going to listen to players or people who have accomplished more than I. And I completely get that and understand that. But to me, what that says about Candace Parker's mindset is why I'm going to say this next thing, which is you need to be, and I'm putting this on Agler, I'm putting this on the coaches. You need to be challenging Candace Parker every single game. Put her up against the rookie phenom, Asia Wilson. Say, prove it today on the big screen in front of this this new crowd in Vegas. You know, put her against Sylvia. Put her against the best player on their team and challenge her and don't have her be the help defender on the double teams. Because when you do that, it gives her a chance to get, I don't want to say get lost in her mind because some people will take that the wrong way and twist my words, but she'll get lost in her mind and not have that intensity that she needs to bring for this team to be a championship caliber team. I don't want to beat too long on this. When the sparks are running, just like you said, it takes Candace Parker running. Um, and 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 that and that's that when it comes to that. But the Suns just destroyed Minnesota at home. And this season, Minnesota has one of the greatest home court advantages uh, in the W. Has just been abysmal at home when it comes to certain things. They they shot horribly. They looked horrible. Um, you know, I, I don't have. Banham went off. Got eleven points. Great for her. It was her birthday. Jeanquel finally looked like she was getting some stuff in with only seventeen minutes though. Um, talk to me about that game. I mean, I'm just I'm lost for words for this Lynx teams. Um, obviously, I I don't have any insider trading or any insider information. But if you ask me, Maya Moore is not a hundred percent. I don't know if it's health, off the court stuff, or whatever. Maya Moore is not a hundred percent. Sylvia Fowles dropped more easy rebounds and missed more easy shots than I've ever seen her do combined in her whole career in this game. Um, they Neither of them look like they're up to par to play. And then you don't have Rebecca Brunson, who is the most underrated player in this league. Uh, this team's really struggling and Connecticut's finally hitting it. Talk to me about the, that game and, the, and those two teams, Rachel. Well, I think to start with Connecticut, it's good to see. Because we're seeing like the Connecticut that we kind of saw, you know, a month and a half ago, maybe the start of the season. They probably have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder now from some of the events that have happened. And I think having Courtney Williams back is is huge for them. They're starting to probably gain a little bit more confidence, and uh, especially with, from some of their bench play, um, which has been big. You know, Morgan Tug, Rachel Bannum, they're going to need them to continue to step up down the stretch. Uh, they've they had, gosh, six players in double figures. Uh, which is big, you know, they're doing that and they're able to score it the way they want to score it. We know they can rebound, but, you know, flipping it over to the links. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's, I think you um, put it right there. I think, I think Rebecca Brunson is such a key factor to this team. She really, really is like that glue piece. I saw somebody was talking about that on Twitter. Forgive me. I'm not able to recall who it was, but I agree with it. Rebecca Brunson brings a lot to this table that that team needs. 
But at the same time, you know, Maya Mora is struggling offensively. These last five games, she's averaging 12 points. These last two games, she's averaging seven and a half points. Uh, you could take it a step further with Sylvia Fowles. These last two games, she's averaging, I think it's just like just over nine points a game. So when those two aren't scoring, I mean, it's it, it, where else do you get your scoring from? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's it's not rocket science. They have to be efficient offensively. They've got to find a way to get Maya Moore going. They've got to find a way to get fouls going. Um, you know, you could talk about Xander Lassini and, and, you know, but at the end of the day, there's no one else on that team that can make up for that lack of scoring. They have got to put up those big time numbers that, that those two are capable of doing. And that's a lot to put on two player shoulders, but it comes with the territory. So I, I don't know what, where the struggles are. Um, I don't know what that's from or what might be going on, but at the end of the day, we're still talking about the Minnesota Bulls here. Um, and as we look at the standings and where everybody is falling right now, it's crazy to think that, you know, the Minnesota Lynx are in eighth place right now at 12 and 10. They're tied with the Connecticut Sun at 12 and 10. And really from that point on, I mean, it's anybody's ballgame. And so I think we're ridiculous to sit here and freak out or, or think, man, they're, they're so broken or whatever it may be. But I do think, you know, this team could, could really get going, but they're definitely not going to have a chance at a title without those two playing. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. That's a perfect segue to our, our next topic, and we're going to break it down real quick. Less than five minutes. Got the timer going. Rachel, let's talk contenders and pretenders. Um, to me – it's still, I don't care what's been going on. To me, it is still. The Minnesota Lynx and the LA Sparks are up there. I don't care about their recent their recent pitfalls and struggles. The reason I say that is they've shown us they can do it. The next team that's up there is the Phoenix Mercury for all the reasons we've talked about in this episode. The next team is the Seattle Storm. But I say that with a huge asterisk there that says there are certain teams that can destroy the Seattle Storm. I'm looking at I'm looking at Minnesota as one of them because. Hold oh yeah, on. talk to me. Just des- des- destroy my. No, no. I, hear, hear me out. On, hear me out on this. The reason I say I'm I'm talking about destroy is in like they go to a best of a five series, and I would not be shocked to see Minnesota sweep them. And not necessarily that each game would be like a thirty point game or whatever, but Seattle's a team that is built more to beat the likes of LA versus Minnesota, as far as their style of play, I would have more confidence going in. If I'm, if I had to pick one of these teams, even with the current struggles at full health, I would pick Minnesota to beat Seattle versus LA. I think, I think if you're a betting person, I'm not being crazy. Destroy. Maybe you're right. Destroy. Maybe you're right. (laughs) I don't like to go back on stuff, but maybe you're right. I have to disagree with you. I'm not convinced that the Lynx could, withstand Seattle in a series. I, re- I really don't. Seattle's playing so well. Um, I don't know. It's kind of yet to still be determined, I guess, if you will, because this is very much uncharted territory for them. And a lot of those players on that roster, Brianna Stewart, you know, you really go from top to bottom. Really, Sue Bird is the only one who's, who's experienced that um, level. I think they've got the talent. I think they've got, you know, the ability to beat teams down the series I think you know they're probably up there in my top two to win it all uh but right now if I had to pick today who's going to win this entire thing I'm going to say the Phoenix Mercury yeah uh, we we talked about this before they're a team that 
you know, they, they're they a top-five team. They've basically been that all season. Um, they have three big stars. If they can stay healthy for the rest of the season and figure out, you know, the, the little issue, if you will, and pun was fully intended on that, so I hope everybody got that. Um, if they can figure out the little issue, then it's going to say a lot. I got my eyes marked, and Rachel, you and I are going to watch this game, and we're going to shit talk, excuse my language, a lot about it. Lynx Storm on the 3rd at 10 p.m. Eastern time. You and I will be going at it for that game. Um, and then they do have the third game of the series. We'll see who's right. We'll talk about it more. Everybody else, uh, is, you know, Dallas and Connecticut, um, I'm not ready to call them contenders yet. They've shown me things. I personally don't think Dallas has what it takes to win the championship yet. Um, and if you put if, if you gave me a truth serum, I'm going to say it's because of the coaching has not instilled confidence into me. Um, Rachel, is there a final point you want to make before uh, we close out this episode? I just think it's it's as difficult as ever to try and make a prediction as to who is going to win this entire thing, even at this point as to where we are in the season. Um, you know, the, the top eight teams, in, in my opinion, it is. It's anyone's fair game. Um, it's, it's up for the taking. And this has been a season full, full of lulls um, and high stretches where teams have been confident and then they've hit a brick wall and they've struggled. It's going to come down to health. It's going to come down to that team clicking at the right time. Um, and it's going to come down to some luck at the, at the end of it. Because I honestly, I really, out of the top eight teams, it's like six of them in my mind are honestly could go win this entire thing. And I, now more than ever, I genuinely feel like this is a year where we're going to have a new guy. And when I say new guy, I mean new, new from the last four years, come kind of come out of nowhere and go win this thing. And um, that's a bold statement. It's not to take anything away from the LA Sparks or the Lynx. Obviously, they are very much up there with just respect of what they can do and the types of caliber of players that they have. But um, I think this one's, you know, it's a complete crapshoot at this point. Might be the changing of the guards, and that's why we do uh, these podcasts often and try and get out as much information. Because hey, I might have just been proven completely wrong by the time you're watching or listening to this tomorrow. But hey, we'll come out with another podcast with another take, and then uh, hopefully that one's right. This has been the WNBA Insider Show with the amazing Rachel Galligan and myself, Arya Schwartz. Each week, different topics important to the W.